This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, my name is Steve. You're listening to Bible Toolbox on Radio Pulpit. I'm doing a little bit of research into the Roman authority in the first century in Judea. You know, when we read the Gospels, we are very clearly reminded that the Jews hated the Romans. The Romans were the power in the Mediterranean. They had conquered almost all the nations around the Mediterranean, and they were the ones who were controlling the world at that time. Yet, when we start reading the Gospels, when we start reading about the Roman centurions and those in the army, those who were in charge, we kind of get a different picture of who these men were, okay? Now, there's no doubt if you read anything about history, the leadership, the Roman emperor and his entourage, they were all, most of them were corrupt. Most of them were, they just did whatever they wanted to do. Many of them committed suicide or were assassinated, okay? I don't have to tell you that. Just look at the life of Emperor Nero or Claudius or even Caligula, okay? Some of these men were murdered. Some of them were assassinated. Nero was forced to commit suicide. So from the very top, absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is the way they lived. Yet further down, people like centurions and Roman soldiers, we get the idea that when we read the New Testament that all these guys, all these guys were the conquerors of Israel. They were forcing suppression upon them, intimidating them, all this kind. We we have this, we get this idea. But when I start reading about some of the people there, some of the centurions in particular. There are five centurions. I'm not going to go through all of them in this broadcast, but there are five centurions that are really surprising in the New Testament. I mean, these are men that you would never, ever consider to be anything spiritual. Yet, amongst these people, you must understand, every Roman household had a little alcove. When you entered the house, uh, the entrance had a little alcove, and there would be the house god there. And depending on the family, depending on what house god was there. Some had Apollo. uh, Some had great Zeus himself. Some of them had uh, a a god of Mars, Neptune. They would have all these things. And those gods they would touch or they would leave little sacrifices to, okay? The Romans knew that the world that we live in, the one that we see, taste, and touch— wasn't the only world there was. There was somehow some spiritual dimension they could not see that would influence the world that they lived. So they were trying continually to appease the gods or the god of the house. Grant me this, and then I will do that. I will sacrifice this. I'll build a temple. I'll do this in your honor. I'll do all that kind of thing. They, they had that idea. They had this idea of a spiritual dimension that affected the real world and where they lived. So when they had a tremendous victory, they would dedicate that to the god Saturn or whatever. That's what they did. Today, isn't it a little bit of the opposite? The world has sort of drifted away from a spiritual dimension. You know, if we want something, we get online, okay? We got our cell phones. We can Google. We can do this. We can do that. And that's where we look. We don't really look to a spiritual dimension, okay? When we have a problem, we want it solved— Get online. Ask somebody. They'll have this. Uh, download a YouTube video to fix your car. Whatever. But that's what we do. We, we sort of have backed away from this, this spiritual idea. Yet I think 
the Romans in those days, and particularly the centurions, men of authority, knew there was something beyond what they could see. Something beyond what they can see. Ah, there, there was a, I'm going to first talk about a centurion in the, in the town of Capernaum. Capernaum was a town near the Sea of Galilee. King Herod had a palace there. Uh, in John chapter 4, you'll find that one of the royal officials uh, who lived in Capernaum that served King Herod in his palace had a son that was dying. And he walked from Capernaum through the hills to Cana of Galilee to find Christ so that his son would be healed. Well, in this same town in Capernaum, there was also another centurion, a man. A centurion means someone who's in charge of a hundred men. Okay, this is an officer. This is a commander of men. Okay, and this is what the Bible says. I'm sure you know this passage, but here you are. Okay, you can find it in either Matthew chapter 8 or Luke chapter 7. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Wow. Now, this centurion, uh, in I think it's in Luke's gospel, was known by the town elders, he wasn't a bad man. He was there stationed to guard Herod's palace and his, and, and his workers, okay? That was his job. So that's why he was stationed there. And this happened all over Israel. In important places, there would be garrisons of Roman soldiers to keep the peace. So this man had a servant. Servant was paralyzed, suffering terribly, as he said. And Christ says, fine, I'll go with you. Let's go with you to your and he says, you're not worthy to come under my roof. Please, you don't have to. Well, there's an added dimension to this statement. I think the centurion knew that any Jew who entered the household of a Gentile would be unclean. It would have to be ritually cleaned before he could go to the synagogue or worship in the temple. So I think he was trying to save Jesus the, the bother, if you want to say it that, the, the bother of being unclean. He says, all you have to do is say the word. And I know my servant will be healed. I'm under authority. I have men under authority. I know if I say something, they will do it. I'm in control of my life. I'm in control of this thing. And Christ now says to everybody around him, I have not seen such faith in all Israel. Well, the disciples and the Jews who were there were now shocked. Okay? They, the Jews, were the chosen people. And the hated Romans were their conquerors and pagans. Yet Jesus says, this man, this pagan, this conqueror, has more faith than you do. What? I'm sure they were, I'm sure they were, they were biting their tongues on this one. This was an insult to the entire nation of Israel. And then Christ does something else. First of all, let me finish the miracle. Yes, the servant was healed. Okay. The servant's faith 
had a major part in the healing of his servant. Okay? But Christ did not stop there when his statement, when he says, I've not found such faith. He continues, I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the Syrian centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done as you have believed. And the serpent was healed at that very moment. But notice Christ's statement here. You're going to have a table, a feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? This was sort of like a reference to the kingdom of God and God's feast for his people. And he says people are going to come from the east and the west, not Jewish, not Jews, not part of the chosen people, and they will sit at the table for the feast, while the sons, those that are supposed to be there, will be taken away from the table and thrown into the outer darkness. Uh-oh. Wow. The Jews hearing this, do you think they were happy with this? I think they were furious. They were livid. They were fuming. How dare you say that? This man, this man, this evil man, this conqueror, this pagan, this nobody, this Gentile, has his servant healed? because of his faith? And you're telling us that we're sitting at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're going to be grabbed by the collar and thrown out? Well, I must tell you, I've never been to, an, uh, I've never been to a supper or an invitation where I was thrown out of anything. But I don't think I would have liked the idea. What do you think this is today? We're the people, chosen people, sitting around the table of the Lord every Sunday, you know, we partake of the bread, the bread which represents the broken body of Christ and the blood and the, and the, and the fruit, fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of Christ, and we're going to be thrown out? Ooh. When you have faith, it must be complete faith in Christ. Whatever he says, you believe. Whatever he wants you to do, you go. He's a man of authority. In fact, he said there, in Matthew, I tell you, many will come from the east and the west. Jesus did not refer to the Old Testament prophets. He says, I tell you. He's taking authority, just as the centurion had authority over his men. Christ took authority over what he said. This is going to happen. Be prepared. Be faithful. Be faithful to Christ. So for today, I ask you, put your faith in Christ. Exercise that faith so that you can sit at the table with the rest. My name is Steve. Thank you so much for listening. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.